Hey, everybody. Sam chiming in just before we jump into this episode. If you've been a longtime listener of the podcast, you know that every once in a while we go to a convention. And when we do, we like to do our recap episodes where we basically talk about what we did at those conventions, our experience, and kind of give like a play-by-play of all the fun shit we got up to. So like we did with episode 39, which is our MagicCon Philly episode, and episode 21, which is our Magic 30 Vegas episode, I just want to give a little disclaimer here. This isn't our typical format for the show. This is a little bit more rambly, a little bit more loose. We're not going to be talking about salty stories, really, just kind of sharing our experience. So if you're a first-time listener for The Howling Salt Mine, check out some of our other episodes. Get a feel for our dynamic. Get a feel for our typical salty content. However... If you are one of our prospectors out there, then you know the drill. Spread that goodwill. And you know what this episode's going to entail. So jump on into it. Also, don't touch that dial, friends, because we have a pretty friggin' crazy announcement. The Howling Salt Mine is going to be an official guest at the Magic Summit this October in Salt Lake City. That's right. Tony, myself, and Mike are all going out to Salt Lake City for this awesome convention put on by Kingdoms TV, which is a great Magic the Gathering YouTube channel. Go check it out if you haven't. The guest list for this convention is looking fantastic. Of course, it looks amazing because we are on it. (laughs) Uh, But this is going to be just a really fun opportunity. We're going to be there all weekend jamming games. And there are even some events that we're doing specifically with like VIP members, if that's the ticket level that you go in for. So We would love to see as many prospectors as we can at this thing. This certainly won't be the last time we talk about it. I'm sure you'll hear us talk about it as we get up to the convention itself. Now, again, that is October 26th through 29th. So it's the end of the month and you'll be home just in time for Halloween in Salt Lake City, Utah. And you can check out mtgsummit.com for more information and to get your tickets. That is mtgsummit.com. Fucking crazy stuff. Look at us. Look at us go. Special guests. Damn, we're doing it. All right. Love you all out there in Prospector Land. And let's cue that intro music. One podcast. Mining the Magic the Gathering community for salt. This is the Howling Salt Mine. It's the Howling Salt Mine. Well, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Howling Salt Mine podcast, the podcast where we usually delve into those salty, salty minds of the howling. Oh, fuck. (laughs) (laughs) The salty, salty minds of the howling minds. (laughs) Where we usually delve into those salty, salty minds of the Magic the Gathering community, finding the finding the saltiest stories, the, the saltiest s- 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no! <Nice>. The <laughs> double fumble, dude. What were you at a wedding this weekend or something? Are you like super <laughs> sleepy or anything like that? Yeah, dude. Holy shit! How could shit. that possibly have happened? Right. Well, yeah, it's the Howling Salt Mine. We usually talk about salty stories, but today. We're doing a recap of our recent adventure to the Commander Sealed Convention in Rochester, New York. As always, I'm your host, Sam, and I'm joined by my singular co-host this week, Mike. Hello, everybody. 
I'm glad you're using singular because I think you said single one time and and I, I always worry that gives people the wrong idea. <laughs> I'm happily engaged. He's single, not single. He's ready to mingle, actually. No, nah, definitely not ready to mingle. <laughs> Nothing could be farther from the truth. I don't like to, talking to anybody. <laughs> anyway, let's talk about this convention where we went and talked to a bunch of people. Yeah, talked to tons and tons of people. Yeah, so before we get into it, we did just come back from Tony's wedding like yesterday. Yes, we did. <laughs> and that's also why he's not here. He wouldn't have been on this episode anyways because he wasn't at Commander Sealed. But Tony, happy nuptials, man. Congrats. Congratulations. Hope you're off mooning some honey out there. <laughs> just just <laughs> finding really some bees. Really some bees. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Turning around. You get the idea. Um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a it was a lovely ceremony. It really was. It was beautiful. We we came away from it being like that was one of the best weddings we've ever been to. It's yeah, great. I I was saying to Caroline pretty much the same thing, and we agreed that it was in our top three. Number one, of course, is my own wedding, which was a fucking banger. Mm. Uh, you weren't there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we didn't know each other then. <laughs> it's, the, it's the only reason me making a hmm there is like okay and not like super offensive. <laughs> yeah, right. I've been married for a long time and and met Mike like oh god I don't know a handful of years ago, but yeah it was amazing and I only say top three because I feel like there's another one in there that I'm forgetting about that is maybe up there too. But hmm. if I don't remember it, it's that's the second best wedding I've ever been to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you'll probably remember this one too. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Tony literally did not leave the dance floor. Yeah, it's amazing. I was talking to him about it the day after, and he he said he left to use the bathroom one time and regretted it. Yeah. <laughs> I also only left the dance floor once and fucking regretted it big time, man. Yeah. That's when everyone danced the horror. I really wanted to participate in that, and I yeah. I was incredibly bummed. Mm-hmm. It was devastating. But it was fun, man. I think, I mean, you know, just like one of our best friends getting married. The vows were amazing. I definitely cried during the ceremony. It's just beautiful shit. The love that Tony's got is is very awesome. It's just cool to see your friends, like, do it, you know, fall in love. Yeah. They walked down the aisle to uh, a song from Stardew Valley as well, which was like so uplifting. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it it was it was just so mellow. I was like, why am I so relaxed? And you like (laughs) you like leaned over. Mike and I were groomsmen. So we were standing up there and Mike like leaned over and he was like, it's the Stardew Valley song. I was like, oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) And then just the dancing, dude, like, I mean, you already kind of alluded to it, but literally the dancing was was off the hook and i think my favorite weddings are the ones where the dance floor is just always packed and people are going crazy and i'm like drenched with sweat and everyone is out there yeah like one of our good friends steven tony is good friends with his parents as well so they (laughs) came and they were just like crushing it on the dance floor (laughs) it was so good it's like you know uh, that's that just brings so much when it's not just like the 20 or 30 or something's out there. It's like everybody is out yeah. there. And dude, I'm like so banged up from the dancing. My like quads on both legs are like shot because I was just like getting low and like throwing ass to a bunch of songs. Dude, I, I had <laughs> and my a... feet are fucking like mush, man. Like my yeah. one of my toes was literally numb for like 24 hours. And I was like, <laughs> I think I broke this. It didn't it didn't get broken. It is fine. Oh, and my wife didn't break her foot. 
I had a workout class today and I was like saying like, oh, I really could have used, we were doing like some deep squats and I was like, <laughs> yeah. oh, I really could have used these like a week in advance <laughs> to prep for the dance floor. <laughs> uh, it was great. Uh, yeah, it was really, really good. Um, our flight home fucking sucked though, dude. Yeah, we, we had like a late night flight for some reason. It was like the only one we could get back to, to Rhode Island and it got delayed. And I think we took off out of Michigan at like 11 30 and i got home at like two. Ooh, yeah it's subtle. the worst thing was actually just trying to keep ourselves occupied like with no hotel to be the home base yeah and just completely exhausted from a night of drinking and dancing and trying to like occupy ourselves in the state of michigan and in the city of detroit which you know sorry detroit but you're on hard times and uh it was like, what do we do? So we just ended up going to the, the airport like wicked early. <laughs> I bet. Conversely, to give Tony a bit of grief here, Ann Arbor is way cuter than oh, he's been giving yeah. it credit for. Hell yes. <laughs> yeah. Fucking Tony is full of shit, dude. Ann Arbor is gorgeous. It's so cute. Beautiful little downtown. It's like a bustling city. Tons of like cute residential areas. Like I was just driving around. I was like, man, the real estate here is gorgeous. Like this is great. Hmm. love ann arbor got a lot of love for it i will stay on record as saying it's terrible so that we can try and push tony to move back east but (laughs) yeah true (laughs) the subtext is that it actually is pretty good also also one of the bridesmaids during her speech mentioned that michigan loses power frequently (laughs) and tony just looked down the table and like gave me a look (laughs) it's it's so funny i was like damn like that's a that's a thing that's a real thing yeah that's not (laughs) that's not only him saying that yeah like it's it's a real founded issue in the state (laughs) well well that was one trip the other trip that we recently went on it had markedly less tony Yeah. And about the same amount of sleep. (laughs) Yeah. A similar amount of sleep, though. Definitely. (laughs) And more exhaustion, I would say. Yeah. Well, less we were less fueled by the energy of our good friend getting married and had to seek that fuel in like just jamming game after game after game of Commander. And and delicious dumplings. (laughs) And dumplings. Yeah. (laughs) True. This was literally the weekend before Tony's wedding, which is why Tony couldn't go. Uh, and he was very mad at us for doing this. Tony, we love you. We're sorry. Sorry about that. <laughs> so Mike and I, on Friday morning, we jumped in the car and drove up to Rochester, New York for the Commander Sealed Convention. This is the third year of Commander Sealed, as I understand it. It's basically this kind of like grassroots convention that formed in Rochester, New York by this local gaming store called Just Games. From what I've heard, the original year, it was an event that took place in the LGS and it was just like packed. They maybe had like 50 people or something. The next year, which was 2022, they had it at a local convention center or in like the general Rochester, New York area. And it grew a little bit more. And then this year is like massive. I heard it was like six to 10 times the size of the original convention or something like that. Like hundreds and hundreds of people. It was huge. And um, everybody is doing this event. So we'll talk about like what the event actually is in a minute. But the first thing that I want to mention is that it's really like a charity event. Like it supports two awesome charities, a Trans Lifeline and Trevor Project. And basically when you buy your ticket for the main event, which is the Commander Sealed event, you get to pick one of those charities and like your money goes towards supporting that charity. 
And I think they ended up raising over $40,000 for these charities. Just awesome. Fucking crazy, man. Like super, super cool. And again, just awesome causes uh, and positive things that our community should be supporting anyways. So absolutely. The event itself is basically like a one day tournament. I think there actually might be like a little bit on, on a second day. On the second day. Yeah. Like the very final finals, yeah, final pods yeah. or something. But basically what happens is you get handed like a grip of like 15 booster packs somewhere yeah. on the order of a, that. A big stack of them. Yeah. A fat stack of booster packs. <laughs> you get set up in pods of four and you get 75 minutes and you just rip your packs so you're just like ripping packs open and you need to build a 100 card commander deck uh, that abides by all the normal rules. So it's got to be singleton. You know, it's not like other sealed formats yep. where it's like, hey, I opened six of these things. I drafted six of these things. I'll run all six. Now nah, right. you got to do regular commander shit. Yep. And it's got to like follow color identity, literally everything, everything yep. you expect a commander deck to do. And then you trade within your pod of four. So that first pod, you don't actually play with them, but that's your trading pod. So it kind of goes like everyone rips their packs. You do some rough sorting. You get your commanders out. Any potential legendary creature you're getting out, you're dropping it so people can see it. There are a couple sets from like the AFR, the Baldur's Gate set, mm -hmm. uh, the Commander Legends, I think it was. Yep. Like that original Commander Legends set with all the partners and whatnot. So you were guaranteed to get some commanders. And then it was really just like everybody pools resources. You're trading, trying to build the best deck you can. And then you just play games all day. You get set up in pods after that. Yeah. The only difference is that it's a 30 life format just to keep like rounds a little bit shorter. But and when it goes to time, there's this like havoc festival <laughs> yeah. thing that kicks in. But we can talk <laughs> about that more. It's basically instead of going to rounds or turns or anything like that, uh, they just made what plays like a a version of initiative or something yeah, where like a dungeon effects trigger at the beginning of every upkeep going on from when time starts. Yeah. So we'll talk about that when we actually get to like our coverage yep. of our wrap up of the actual event itself. So Mike and I drove up on Friday. I, I shot up to Boston and picked up Mike who was in like the best mood possible because he was literally like putting a down payment on a house that day. He like had his inspection that morning and was just like, can I get like 20 more minutes to get the house inspected? And I was like, yeah, dude, like it's all good. Don't even worry. And then the whole time you were like, I just got to like make these money transfers, like doing it yeah. on your phone. I was like pulling things out of Robin hood and like moving things between yeah. accounts and like trying to figure out if I could do wires. And uh, it was, it was uh, crazy. Yeah. But we managed to, we, we managed to fit in like not just doing that the entire drive out which was good <laughs> and credit to you for also like having that happen that morning and being like yeah i'm still down to go like let's fucking oh yeah it. you know i wasn't gonna get in the way <laughs> but we were literally like looking at when the home inspection could happen and friday was the only day that it was gonna be possible and yeah. i was like well what's the earliest we can put it because <laughs> i gotta go to this convention <laughs> and luckily i'm late for everything anyways yeah so really your 8 30 well. inspection was well over by the time i even got in the area yeah uh, so it worked out pretty well and then it was just a simple like fucking seven hour drive to yep. rochester new york it was one of those fun things where it's like, okay, you get on a road and then it's like, okay, in 270 miles, <laughs> yeah. turn left on this exit. Yeah. Yeah. So it was just like nice. a straight shot on I-90, basically, from New England all the way to Rochester. 
So it was fun. I mean, we we had a good time on the road trip and pulled into Rochester. at It, it was actually in Henrietta, uh, which is just a little town outside of Rochester, but I'll probably keep saying Rochester. And we pulled in at like seven or something like that, mm-hmm. like, like seven-ish. The convention had already been going on. Like that day they had these like, oh, what's the term? Like showcase games. They had like a bunch of different mm-hmm. showcase games going on with like different content creators that were uh, supporting the uh, event and and like kind of being hosted by the event, jumping into pods and doing these sort of like showcase games, yep. which was really, really cool. They had like some CDH ones, some casual ones. Some other creators were like commentating. It was all on their Twitch stream, which was pretty dope. And we rolled in maybe like a few hours after they opened up. I think they opened up like early afternoon and we got over there. And, you know, the first thing we did was immediately hit up our convention buddy that we first <laughs> met in in MagicCon Philadelphia earlier this year and just grew to be super, super good friends with Andrew Rothbox, as he's known online. Andrew is just like the ultimate homie. Uh, the patrons know him. He's in our Discord and, and chills and plays games. He's like runs the best Gaddick Teague stacks deck around. Yep. However, you judge that statement. And <laughs> <laughs> and of course, of course, we find him working a counter. We have this <laughs> this habit where we go somewhere and we find Andrew behind the counter working at where he was not initially intending <laughs> to be working behind the counter. But he's like, oh, hey, guys, I've got an event staff pass and I've been working this counter for yeah. like six hours. And we're like, OK, get get out of there. We're going to go get some food and play some magic. <laughs> that has happened twice now. That also happened in Philly. Like, <laughs> yep. It's not every time, but it's enough that it's becoming odd. <laughs> yeah. It's not every time, but it is every time so far. So <laughs> we'll see what happens at the next convention. So, you know, we immediately are bumping into people. Um, just shout out some names here. Useless Knowledge on Twitter, our buddy John. Uh, Mark Mookdubs, a recent guest on the show, was there. So we got to catch up with Mark. Alan Mental Misplay was, of course, there. My buddy from Rhode Island. You know, our friend Maeve was there. Kev was there. Just Kev's will. We got to meet Tim Gold Sabretooth. So we were just like meeting a shit ton of people that first night. We got to meet Commander Mechanic, Andy Flurry. you know, a bunch of these people that we've like interacted with on Twitter and other like magic creators in the space that we just haven't really had a chance to meet in person yet. So that was pretty cool. Like Mm -hmm. when we were in Philly, obviously that was like seven months ago or something. What was that? February? Yeah. So, you know, we were like pretty small little fishies at the time. And, you know, we're like a medium small fish now. (laughs) Yeah. We're like still a small fishy, but like now we swim a little faster. Yeah. But people (laughs) recognize the fish. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So we're a small fish, but we're louder. We're much louder fish. (laughs) So that was really cool. I mean, this is kind of like our first time with people being like, oh, shit, like the Howling Salt Mine guys. And we were like, yeah, that's us. Cool. You know who we are. That's great. So we ended up like snagging some pizza with Andrew, bumped into a bunch of people and then got back in. And we were like, yo, let's fucking hit our first game of the con. There's just like free tables, open play space. Yep. All over the place. Real quick, like that's something that this convention did really, really well Mm -hmm. was just have tons of open tables and free space for people to play. You know, again, it's like a smaller grassroots convention, so it it doesn't really have like the trappings of those larger conventions with like dedicated command zones and different things like that. Mm -hmm. Also, everyone's there just to like jam commander for the most part. Uh, So the vibe was just very much like grab a table somewhere, slam down, play some games and and you're just going to chill and it's going to be awesome. 
Right. And it was like, it was set up for the capacity of what was going to be playing the main event, the main sealed event on, you know, the Saturday and not everyone really made it for Friday in advance or the, mm-hmm. the Sunday afterwards. So there's, you know, on those days there was a little extra space and, and even on the day of the event, people kind of trickled out once they lost a game or two or a round or two. So, so it ended up having enough space as soon as everybody was really ready to kind of branch out. Yeah. It was really nice in that regard because we could just kind of go anywhere. Mm -hmm. So our first game was with our friend Maeve and Andrew, of course. And we were like, let's play a casual game. And I think outside of the main event, this is the only casual game I played in the entire weekend. Hmm. Yeah. I think, I think I may have played, no, yeah, I think that was the only one. I think I got signed up to play a different one, and then someone took my spot uh, right before oh, it started, yes, and yep. I like left to do something else. So yeah, you left yes. to hang out with me. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so let's talk about this game because we were like, yeah, like our first game. This is like a two-hour game. <laughs> yeah. Granted, it did have an intermission. Yep. But basically, I was on my Garuda deck, which I've been itching to play. My $40 Garuda. I can only play it in person because, you know, I ain't making that many uh, infinite tokens at home over webcam. It's a bit of a pain. Mike, you were playing. What were you on? It didn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> like next to no relevance in the game. <laughs> it really didn't. Yeah. Andrew was on like a flying themed deck and Maeve only had two decks. And she was like, the only deck I have is high power. And we were like, it's fine. Don't even worry. And she had like a Nira, the, what is it? Nira the Wild Mage? Yep. A Nira the Wild Mage, sort of like chaos combo deck. Sort of win con Yeah, that had had like a Displacer Kitten combo in it. That once it popped off, we just like glazed over and Maeve took like a 50 minute turn. (laughs) Yeah, we just hung out and watched... We only like kind of watched her resolve spells too because uh, yeah. people would like come up and chat with us and we'd get distracted. And yeah. then she'd be like, okay, by the way, there's a warp world on the stack. So everybody shuffle your permanence in. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So like she she gets this kitten combo and she kind of hand said it. She's like, I do have a displacer kitten combo. This is how it works. And we were like, okay, cool. Yeah. Like it goes infinite. You get yeah. these infinite casts. To her credit, the rule zero conversation on it was super upfront. Yeah. Nobody was surprised when this came down. <laughs> Nobody was like shocked or upset, but it was like, yeah. okay, we have nothing to do about it. So show us what you're going to do. <laughs> and she culminated it. I love Maeve. She's so chaotic. Culminated it with like the perfect Maeve spell, the perfect Maeve move, which was just a warp world. So we all shuffle our permanents in, flip off the top and reveal whatever and put the permanents into play. I remember I had like a great board state going with Gyruda. I was like ramping into Gyruda. I started getting some clones. Mm-hmm. I had some cats out. I'm remembering. I was oh, playing yeah. Brumas. Yep. yep. And Andrew's board state was like absolute dookie. He had like fucking yeah, he had nothing. nothing going on. He just didn't have good blockers. So everyone was just like punching him. He warp worlded and just got this insane board state. It was like he didn't have a lot of mana. I think it was yeah, one like land. One, literally just a myriad uh, landscape. <laughs> it was like 10 creatures, including a platinum angel. Yes. Then I warp world. And I get four permanents. I get a soul talisman, which I was like, hey, fucking hard cast a soul talisman without spend for the first time in my life. That was cool. <laughs> a single land. I think I had the myriad landscape, maybe. Oh, maybe. And then I got two clones and I just made two platinum angels. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> which, which, frankly, pretty great place to be. Yeah. Two platinum <laughs> angels. Pretty easy to not lose for a little yep. bit, given that that's the text on the card. And your board state. 
like popped off. You became yeah. like the problem in that game. I flipped into a bunch of things that were pretty good for attacking with. I don't remember exactly what they were, but it was a bunch of cats. Yep. A few equipment as well and and like some some kind of anthemy effects. So all of my cats were pretty big as well. I hit literally all permanents. Warp World kind of only <laughs> yeah. gets permanents if you hit like a spell or something, it's not useful for you. You can't resolve it. But I flipped all of my permanents into all new permanents, and yeah. that was very satisfying. And, and you had a shit ton of tokens too, so you had like extra flips and stuff. Yeah. Uh, so Mike like immediately became the arch enemy, basically started taking people out, and eventually we ground the game down, and it was just me and Andrew against each other, both with negative life, both with platinum angels out, <laughs> and, and finally I got the win just by like I think I played like a generous gift from his <laughs> graveyard and did some like really stupid like did something super like over the top like generous gifted his own clone effect to like get a reanimation <laughs> yeah. target to bring back like a destroy creature or something i, I to flickered a massacre worm and then yes. and then destroyed my own massacre worm using a generous gift something. from andrew's graveyard and then revived my massacre worm to kill the platinum angel and half the people watching the game were like oh shit and then the other half were like why didn't you just kill the platinum why angel didn't with you the just generous, generous gift the platinum angel like, right up uh, right? yeah yeah, that would that would have done it. Yep, that would have been it. That would have been it in fewer steps. So it was a pretty funny ending to that game. I, I think like one of my highlights of that game was when our buddy Mike Carosa, uh, which people recognize a, a guest on the show, author of Am I the Bolus over in Commander's Herald, he had like a stand-up set. Like Friday night, there were a handful of stand-up comedians that were there to to play magic and stuff. And our buddy Mike was one. First of all, just lovely to meet Mike in person. Yeah, it was great. He gave me like a huge, huge hug and was just such a sweetheart all weekend. Yeah, he came out and he was like, hey, I'm on in five minutes, guys. And Mike was like, let's just like pause the game here. Yeah, I was like, I'm I'm going to see that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I've talked to this guy enough to know that he's going to be hilarious. So I'm not I'm, uh, this game is great. Uh, Maeve, take one of your turns. <laughs> we'll be back. <laughs> and it was awesome. Like it was such yeah. a, a vibe. Uh, he was so in his element. You know, it was a pretty small room, maybe like like 30 or 40 people crammed in there. But man, the, the energy was just great. And, and Mike was hilarious. So that was yeah. an was, awesome. Break. I was actually brought to tears during the set. It was it yeah. was hilarious. It was really, really good. It was also like a great reminder. I think I fall into this trap at events like this all the time where I just assume that, you know, the thing that I need to do is play magic the entire time. Yeah. And man, just a little bit of mixing it up, going to like the standup that was there as the side event really made, I think kind of just the whole weekend better. Cause you get to break things up and like, okay, if you're, if you're going to get tired of magic, you get this other thing to do for a little bit. It was awesome. Yeah. And it was kind of just like a sign of the laid back atmosphere at this convention. Mm -hmm. Like it really was just sort of like, Hey, you're going to have time to get your games in uh, just chill. Like the convention hall was open from 8 AM to midnight <laughs> on Saturday. Yeah. Like, yeah. It was insane. Yeah. And and we were pretty much there all day. So like we got all our magic in. So that night we finished off this game and literally I think we finished it and had to pack our shit and immediately get out of there. Did we, we might've fit one CEDH game in. Did we? Maybe. I hmm. feel like it might've happened. I don't remember what it who was, we or who we played it with or, or anything, 
but I feel like we might have fit one CEDH game. We'll have to know. put that down as a maybe. Yeah, I'm not sure. That that's a maybe. Things were getting a little uh a little hazy towards the end of the evening. So we end up hitting up our hotel. And you know, unfortunately, we did get separate beds. I know the tradition is that Mike and I sleep in the same bed yeah. whenever we go on a trip. But uh <laughs> the tradition from one trip that we did. Yeah. <laughs> to, well, to Tony's bachelor party also. Oh, yeah. That's true. That is true. <laughs> and I remember booking it and I almost like hovered over the one bed and I was like, is this funny? And I was like, eh, I want my own bed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's only funny if it's like the only option. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> So we got back and, you know, Mike and I, when we go on these trips together, we just are so like-minded in like exactly what we want to do. So we're driving back and we're like, we should probably get some snacks before we go to bed. Yeah. And then we're like, we should probably play a little One Piece before we just go to bed. one game of One Piece. We're going to be so tired tomorrow if we don't play a game of One Piece tonight. Yeah, it's really going to ruin <laughs> our chances at the sealed event if we don't play some One Piece right now. Also, like we just don't get many opportunities to play One Piece together. So we we both brought like a pre-con um, and I brought a, a, a constructed deck that I had. And we just like jammed a couple games until like 2 a.m. on yeah. that Friday. Yeah. And that's important because we had to be at the event, like the sealed event started the next day at 9 a.m. And we had to be like yeah. butts in seats. Right. It now. wasn't like, oh, show up at 9 a.m. It was like, if you're not there at 9 a.m. Yeah. You're, you're not out. doing it. You're, yeah, not, you're not playing. <laughs> so, so you know, I regretted that a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there were good we games, it. though. There <laughs> we were good games. We felt it. You know, we got over there and we got into the... Yeah, we made it. We got into Commander Sealed and we started playing it. And we were in different rooms. I was on... I was in the Trans Lifeline room and you did Trevor Project. Yep. And I, I didn't know that this is what it was going to be when we were signing up for this, but they basically like split the convention into two halls one for each charity and the people supporting that charity, like within it all battled against each other. So there was like one hall for the people supporting Trevor project, one hall for the people supporting trans lifeline and all the pods were generated from those people. Yeah. You know, Sam, you touched on it a little bit, but the sealed pools were pretty interesting because they had a good mix of legends. You know, you were guaranteed to have a few options and people were pretty generous with like, if you were interested in, commander or something and they weren't going to play it they might toss it over to you real quick i do have like the packs i got i took a quick photo of them so there's 14 packs and everybody got slightly different packs that is one thing i want to say like you ended up with a convention mystery booster pack right Mm -hmm. mike and i I didn't have that in my pool so there was some slight variation there even between the people and they came in these like red pre-built sealed packs so i had two booster packs for commander legends battle for Baldur's gate so lots of like backgrounds and shit i had a tales of middle earth pack a commander masters dominaria remastered commander legends wilds of eldraine strixhaven brothers war zendikar rising kamigawa neon dynasty phyrexia all will be one afr and dominaria united so pretty like solid pool mm-hmm. and with like the D stuff there's almost even some like slightly cohesive themes within what we were pulling. Right. But it was limited enough in your selection that like you couldn't guarantee that you were going to have, say, some specific color combination or some specific theme that you wanted to do. So like my yeah. card pool was really nice for like Jund. I could really definitely put together a pretty decent kind of Jund sacrifice list. But then there were no Jund commanders in the entire pool. So I had to narrow down to like just black red instead 
but the the trading in the pod was awesome like pretty much everyone once they picked their commander was just like does anyone need any of my cards of the other color oh yeah people were so generous <laughs> with the trades it was sick yeah. And I think part of it was kind of like, I don't know, I know for me, I felt like all of the money that I had paid for the event was going to charity. And I was happy about that and didn't really expect any like value out of the cards that I was getting because yeah. of it. <laughs> uh, it was kind of like, well, it all went to a good place anyway. Like I can walk out of this with zero value in cards and, and be very happy. So it was more really just about like, what can I do to make my deck better and to try and give other people tools to make their decks better too. Yeah, people were very freeing with the trades. So my pod was just dope. Like, and I think this was everybody's experience for the most Definitely. part, just talking to people. Like you were saying, like people weren't really trying to like rip big expensive cards out of packs and drafting for rares. Yeah. Like drafting for your collection. Everybody was really, really generous. I, I don't remember everybody's name in my pod, but I do know that our friend Nix was in it, Spoopy Darling on Twitter. Previous Twitter acquaintance became like good good homie over the course of this weekend yeah I, I knew i really wanted to go for something three color just because like with the pool of cards i felt like it was going to be a little bit easier to build something and i ended up going with zevlor elturel exile people may know this character from playing Baldur's gate three it's a four two tiefling warrior cost one and grixis so four mana total it's got haste and then as an activated ability you pay two, tap it when you next cast an instant or sorcery spell that targets a single opponent or a single permanent an opponent controls this turn, for each other opponent, choose that player or a permanent they control, copy that spell, and the copy targets the chosen player or permanent. It's a very confusing way of saying, pay to activate this guy and all of your things that target one thing become a three for one and you copy yeah. it for the other players. So I built it all around like, there's a little bit of hand hate with like discards, you know, a little bit of control, lots of burn and lots of creature destruction. And the people in my pod were just super, super generous with trades, as was I. I was giving away everything, but I ended up with some like pretty dope shit. I ripped an ancient brass dragon out of a pack and was sort of like, OK, I got to go this direction. I ended up trading for a deflecting swat, uh, which was pretty dope. I got a spell seeker. <laughs> Aminatu's Augury, Elminster Simulacrum, and then Training Center and Black Cleave Cliffs, which was some some nice uh, mana for the deck. Everything else is just kind of like random, you know, draft chaff, like commons and uncommons, but it ended up making for a pretty fun deck. <laughs> there was one guy in my trading pod who just kept changing his deck, and I, I hope that they're listening right now because it was just so funny it was like stressing all of us out that they kept changing commanders <laughs> and at one point like we just looked at all of our pools and we we're like none of us drafted white nicks went with the teamer adventure commander like the newly mm -hmm. printed one the giant the fellow next to me went with some kind of golgari build i forget the commander so none of us had drafted white so we just took all of our white cards and just threw them at him and was like take <laughs> any rares keep any rares and he was so polite he was like uh, what about this card? Can I trade you for this card? And I would just be like, take it. And, like, <laughs> and they like said, we, you got 20 minutes left, which is when a lot of people are just sleeving because it yeah. takes so long to do that. Or like figuring out mana curve or like yeah, grabbing yeah. lands, like stuff like that. Just getting to the for end. Land. Yep. And at 20 minutes left, he was like, I think I'm going to switch to Boros. And we were like, you are stressing me out. Like, 
<laughs> it was all really, really fun, and we were just cracking up. And uh, I, he did manage to build a deck, but we were like, oh, shit. What did you end up uh, doing, Mike? So I ended up just getting really excited about the playtest card that I pulled from my convention mystery booster pack. Oh, yeah. And and it ended up skewing me towards choosing Kroxa as my commander as well, which fun commander in its own right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, this playtest card that I got was Yogmoth's Testament. It's two and a black for a sorcery until end of turn. You may play face up cards you own from exile. And then if a card would be put into your graveyard or exile from anywhere this turn, put it on the bottom of your library instead. So, so Kroxa, weird. it's so weird. So Kroxa is uh, one of the Titans from the Theros sets. So it has an escape effect. Pay for exile five cards from your graveyard to cast it from your graveyard. So my whole deck idea basically <laughs> oh, was... I like see a, it now. <laughs> yeah, it was basically... <laughs> Put a bunch of stuff in my graveyard, put Croaks in my graveyard, try and dig up this Yogmoth's Testament, and then get that value of casting all those cards that I exiled away to play my commander. And so I put a bunch of like baubles and stuff in and things that would sacrifice and just ways to generate value. And it was fun. It was grindy. The first game that I played with it was really kind of like playing on those margins of people being really there for a fun, casual game. And like people will make a deal or people like yeah. see one thing as a target and and get rid of it. And, and everyone just bringing a really nice, like friendly gameplay atmosphere because it had this sealed level. You got to kind of skip the power level conversation. Yeah. People did kind of go around and say, OK, these are our commanders. You know, everyone looked at it. People called out like, oh, that's that's going to be a pretty big problem. Like one of the players in my first pod had Zakama. And we're like, okay, the floor for Zakama is going to be pretty high. (laughs) I also played against a Zakama deck during that that day. Yeah, I mean, Zakama, a beast when all you got to get to is like your nine lands and then you put down a huge chonker and a bunch of activations on the board. So I managed to sneak by a win in my first game just by kind of chipping everybody down and then right near the end of the game, just having enough to kind of get everybody in an attack. Oh, yeah. I go to my first game, and my first game is one person is on Belladris Witherbloom. More on them in a minute. The other person is on Gisela Blade of Gold Knight, and that's the one where if a source deals damage to an opponent or a permanent they control, it does double. And so if we are attacking each other and not attacking this person, all of our shit is doubled. But if we're attacking them, the other piece is that everything is halved. So you just like turboed out Gisela as much as you can turbo out in this kind of format. And it was just like a menace at the table. And then the last person was playing Rafik, which was, you know, after my own heart. uh, And unfortunately, just was getting super flooded with mana. That was our Mm -hmm. buddy Chris that we met. It was just a really fun game. Zevlor got to do the thing. I got a bunch of like three for one removals. So... The person on Belladros Witherbloom just had a bit of an advantage because of the life gain of the pest tokens. It like yeah. was significant. It 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 mattered a great deal, quite frankly. It matters a great deal. It matters a great deal. <laughs> so that was really, really interesting uh, because they just kept grinding things out and they were very token heavy with their deck, not only with the pests, but with this like enchantment that let them get zombie tokens by exiling stuff in graveyards. Mm-hmm. So they could just kind of grind in the late game when we all ran out of gas. We finally managed to beat them and I won the game. And it was truly just because of like some good politicking. We like agreed to kind of gang up and, and knock this person out. 
And then I just turned around and, and knocked out the Rafik player. So we randomly found some of our salty treasure tokens. Tony had been hoarding like 30 of them. So we brought those with us and we're passing them out to people. So at the end of the game, I gave everybody a treasure token. And the person across from me playing Belladros Witherbloom was like, oh, I already have some of these. And I was like, how do you have some of the salty treasure tokens? And he was like, I'm one of your patrons. <laughs> I was like, dude, we've been playing a game together for an hour and you didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> so that was our buddy, Willie. Shout out to Willie. Just had an awesome game. Willie was running the table with that Beldros Witherbloom deck. And then we just chatted a whole bunch. And uh, and and that won't be the last you hear from, from Willie this weekend. We ended up getting some games in with him on Sunday, too. But first round was just super dope. My second game was great. I was playing with a couple folks. I think Joe Cherries was one of the people in the pod. Oh, yeah. Formerly of the nitpicking nerds. Yep. Um, and then I had two other people that were awesome, super fun. One of them had played in all of the Commander Seals prior. Uh, he had the hilarious comment that he had actually, prior to the game, right before the one I played with him, he had never won a game in the Commander Sealed <laughs> events that he had played in. <laughs> so he was like, well, guys, I ruined it. I finally won one. Bummer. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that pot had a Miriam deck in it. Fuck that commander, dude. I hate yeah, Miriam. That, Miriam. That commander sucks ass. <laughs> That's yeah. like the dragon that whenever you play a dragon, you just bake a second one and it's a non-legendary copy. Exactly. Busted. It was brutal. And then Asterion was another one of the commanders. And I'm forgetting the other commander that Is was that another pod, actually. Uh, Baldur's Gate 3 character. Yes. So Asterion, <laughs> so another Baldur's Gate commander. That whole release, I'm seeing it in like a new light now that I'm playing Baldur's Gate 3. I'm yeah, like, oh yeah, in the game. that card. <laughs> oh, that character I know and love. It has significance to me now. <laughs> yeah. So I'll get into that and more in a little bit what, what Asterion does. But basically, you, once time was called on the next upkeep, everybody loses half of their life. Mm -hmm. And then on people's upkeeps after that, they can choose between a bunch of different effects. Honestly... I only saw it get to those other effects one time and they were pretty crazy. Like they would give you like a free time twister or a free Jessica's will or basically just like crazy free effects. Yeah, they're basically like representing, you know, powerful effects in magic and you can kind of cast it for free on your upkeep. And yep. So the whole idea was if people continued to get these super powerful effects, eventually someone would be able to close the game out and the organizers wouldn't need to do some kind of official like turn limits or ending mm -hmm. things based on time they could let things play out a little bit in a slightly more natural way and have them decided a little bit more by like kind of the skill still leaving room for skill expression at that point which yep. conceptually i loved my second game was definitely the apex of my salt for the event. Uh, <laughs> I walked yes. away and like mumbled about it to Sam. I remember. I'd like repeatedly mumble things to <laughs> Sam in like a kind of grumpy, frustrated <laughs> mood because it was a super good game and it was super grindy, really interesting. Miriam, you know, went off crazy with a bunch of free value early in the game. Classic as you do. Like had something else that was doubling the second spell they cast each turn Ugh. too. So they were getting Lord. like three of each dragon they were playing. Fucking gross. Dude. They had one of the dragons that when it died, lets them tutor for a dragon. So they had three of those out. Then someone board wiped and then they got to tutor three more dragons. It was just like this crazy value engine that Disgusting. we all kind of at least clearly identified. And I was eventually able to kill them because they had no cards in hand. 
and I was able to attack with a Kroxa. I think something interesting happened where yeah. we were able to kill them uh, on kind of the fringes of things. Uh, we managed to knock the other player out, and then it was down to just me and the Asterian player. There were a couple kind of scuffed moments during the game that that left a bad taste in my mouth. Where a salty taste, maybe a salty taste, even <laughs> where I attacked someone that had the initiative, dealt damage to them, and we just, as a table, forgot to do the transfer of initiative. I forgot mm. to say like. Hey, I get initiative right now. That triggers. They forgot to be like, hey, I have initiative. <laughs> you get that when you hit me. Like we all forgot about it. And then we would get to their upkeep and they'd be like, okay, I trigger initiative. And we'd be like, wait a second, you got hit. So then we had to figure out like, okay, do you oh, do yeah. we trigger the initiative for them now? Do we say we missed it and give them initiative anyway? So there were these kind of like just scuffed misplays a little sloppy just kind of sloppy stuff which was frustrating because i like to think i'm trying to play better than that and trying to keep track of things but it's tough we hadn't seen the cards and things like that yeah so we get to time and it's just me and the asterian player and on the asterian players upkeep the havoc festival triggers so we both lose half of our life and asterian has the text like the asterian's ability is at the beginning of your end step you can choose either you gain life equal to the life that you gained throughout the turn or your opponent loses life equal to the life (laughs) they lost during the turn. (laughs) So basically we went to their upkeep. I lose half of my life and then they just pass turn and I lose the other half of my life. And the game ends right then on the spot with like nothing that I could do about it. Oh man. And I did walk away from that one a little bit like, ah, oh, come on. Because I had like a big life linker on board. I had these yeah. like avenues to get back into the game. But it definitely just, you know, kind of the mechanics of the event meant that there was there was truly no way out for me uh, in that situation. So, yeah, Starian's like the perfect commander to go to time with. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And and to go to time in their upkeep. Right. Because if yeah. it goes to time in my upkeep, we both lose half of our life. But then the upkeep after that, he just gets one of the other effects and and can't cause the life to all be lost again and trigger mm. Starian. So. It was kind of a coin flip on which person's turn the time ran out on, and it just happened to pay out in the way that I I truly had no chance. So that was <laughs> that was definitely a bummer. My second round vibes were just fantastic. I think one of the guys in my pod ended up getting into the final four. He was on some Boros commander that, like, whenever a creature you control attacked, you exiled off the top of your library, and you could cast that that turn. So it was just like crazy impulse draw. There's a guy in my pod named Nick, also goes by Nooch online, and he has this thing called Nooch's Hidden Base. Basically was like giving us all these really cool custom tokens and was passing them out all weekend. He was on like a Minskin Boo deck. Somebody was on Zakama, and then again, we had that Boros deck. So we're kind of like in a grind. I, at one point, was able to cast Elminster Simulacrum, make a copy of like the coolest shit that everybody had. I remember we had like multiple glunches going that game, which was really fun. Love glunch. It was awesome. Like the Zakama player got an early glunch and just played group hug as much as possible because they were like, I know when I cast Zakama, it's going to be a problem. So I need to like foster goodwill. So the game is just like running long. And on my turn, they call time. So I'm like kind of in the same situation as you, except for four players. So I'm last in rotation after we all go to half-life. And there were things on the board that were like hitting us for one every upkeep. It could like negate life gain. I forget that enchantment, but it's, it's like a red enchantment that does that. 
And then Fiery Inscription was also on the table of the Boros player. And Fiery Inscription is whenever you cast an instant or sorcery, it hits everybody for two. So we're like on my turn and we're about to pass. And we're going through the math about how we're going to all get our life cut in half, go down to like five or six or so, and then just like lose from the Fiery Inscription and from this enchantment that's been burning us in our upkeeps. And we're sort of like, what can we do? This is like the only final move I have. I'm definitely losing. Three other players are going before I get to go and I have five fucking life. So I'm out of the game. But I'm like, hey, let me do this one thing. So I have the opportunity to activate Zevlor one more time. And I cast Reckoner Shakedown, which is a three mana sorcery. Target opponent reveals their hand. You choose a non-land card from it. If you do that, player discards that card. If you don't, put two plus one plus one counters on a creature or vehicle you control. So really, I was just using this as a final opportunity to potentially get some instants or sorceries, hopefully like damage dealing things out of my opponent's hands. And because Zevlor, I can three for one this. So Nooch has like a fireball or something like that. I get rid of it. The Zakama player has some kind of like, you know, Bernie thing. I get rid of that. And then the Boros player reveals their hand and it's like Dragon's Approach, Delayed Blast, Fireball. There's a Lightning Helix in there too. It is just like, <laughs> it's like four or five burn spells and he could have cast it all. And we were like, oh, okay, so we lose. And we just like called it there. Like he didn't yeah. even need to play it out. It was yeah. just such a funny moment of like seeing the hands making the choices and then he's like here's my hand and we're like oh we we lose the game <laughs> we can we can skip the rest of this yeah okay, we can cool. we can pass so and sam and i found each other after our second round and we're like starving yeah. and had both just lost and we're kind of defeated and we were like let's go get food and drop from the tournament so that we can just play some games so that's what we did so it was also like one at this point and you and i had been operating off of like a single bite of bad hotel eggs. Yeah. <laughs> for, for like most of the morning. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Pretty much like bad hotel eggs and like four peanuts. Yeah. I had like a, a bag of like nuts we had gotten when we hit snacks at the gas station on our way <laughs> yeah. back to our room the night before. And I was like, these will sustain me. <laughs> <laughs> I think I did have a granola bar, but it still like was not it. Yeah. Like whenever I'm in like a an organized competition like that or like a tournament, I just get sweaty, man. And I don't mean like I'm playing like a, a shithead and I'm trying to spike the tournament kind of sweaty. I am just like my body is draining itself of resources at a faster pace than normal. Yeah. So I was completely gassed. Yep. So we drop. Actually, a ton of people had dropped. Some people played a single game and then dropped. And you could drop. You could jump back in for like the third round if you wanted to. It was like pretty chill with, with how you wanted to do it. But, you know, I got two good games in. The deck building experience was fun. But we were just kind of in the mood to do something else and play some other games. So we met up with Andrew and we hit a like little diner in the hotel, a little restaurant in there, got a sandwich that like pretty much saved my life, a turkey club yep. that revived my my corpse that was yeah, lingering to live was restored. <laughs> and Andrew's just being like the awesome dude he is. He's like, do you guys want to play my meta one piece TCG decks? And we were like, absolutely. <laughs> Because we had only played pre-cons really up until then. Like, I have one meta deck, but I've never really played it too much. I kind of built it on a whim uh, just because I had a lot of the cards. So we're playing his, like, black Rob Lucci deck and a green Kuro deck, I think, or something like that. But, man, it was just a blast. We just, like, 
were jamming one piece in like this quiet diner. Like it was a total flip from like the fervor of the event hall to just like chill, lay back and like jam some one V one, one piece. It was like a complete restorative moment in this tiny little corner (laughs) where like no one talked to us and we could just play this other game that wasn't magic for a minute to kind of get a hard reset. It was great. Yeah, it was awesome. That was also the moment where Andrew revealed that he had a sealed box of the third One Piece set. And he was like, at some point this weekend, we have to play a sealed One Piece game. Get four people, rip these packs, and build some decks. Yeah, and if anyone hasn't heard us talk about this One Piece card game yet, uh, it's great. I think we have Stray Grain maybe where we talk about it. Yeah, we do. Go seek it out. Check out this game. It's very cool. It's it's not magic. It's a different game for sure. And it's got advantages and disadvantages over magic, but it is definitely a nice palate cleanser if you need a little a mix up, if you will. Also, read One Piece. It's great. <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> yeah, it's delightfully goofy. I read all of One Piece in like the span of a month and uh I can confirm it's an incredibly good heartwarming story and you will like it, but there is a lot of it. Yep. Yeah. So, so the game is wicked, wicked fun. And we just had like a few rounds of that. And then at that point it was sort of like late afternoon and we were like, okay, let's shoot back to the main hall. Let's find some people. Let's jam games. Like let's get yeah. some CDH. In, get more you know? in. Mm-hmm. Up until this point, we had only played casual games. We played that first game on the first night. That was pretty long. And we were kind of itching to like flex with some decks that we had. So we go back and we get to the main hall. And I think you and Andrew actually still owed each other one one piece game. Yes. Like a one v one. Yep. So you guys hit that up. I found a couple people. I found Lane and Lightscribe, uh, Leo from Twitter, who I knew of but hadn't met in person. Such a sweetheart. What an awesome dude. We got to like play a ton of games and chill on Saturday with him. And it was just an awesome vibe. Uh, I also met up with Kev, uh, just Kev's will again, another acquaintance from the internet who we bumped into him and hung out with him like a little bit in Philly, but we really got to chill with him. Yeah. Like chill hard with him uh, <laughs> this time, which was awesome. And then Dio from the buff town bullies was there as well. And if you guys don't know who these people are, you know, they're all like CDH players. Kev is a big one piece player too. Just really sweet people, you know? Yeah. Fun Twitter takes from a lot of them, too. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, Kev's got <laughs> Kev's got some of the best fucking takes out there, man. So while you guys are playing One Piece, I jump in this pod and we're kind of like, OK, like, let's all play our like goofy decks. Like, let's play our little pet decks. I think Dio was was on Tivit. He had Tivit and Sisse. I played Marath, of course, because I, I had to get at least one game in. Of course. And Leo was on Hinata. Hinata's the one that opposing spells cost one more for everything they target. And your spells cost one less for everything they target. So it's this like red, white, and blue CDH deck. So it's got your typical Underworld Breach, Brain Freeze, Wind Cons. But it also does Dual Caster Mage Twin Flame. And because of how Hinata is written, when you do the Twin Flame and and like copy that, it like reduces the cost. And then Kev was on Turbo Time, which is a deck that he made and an awesome reference to a really funny I Think You Should Leave sketch. And it's basically like a four color time sieve deck using the friends forever, like stranger things partners. And I think it's just sans green. Basically it works with Sophina when she attacks, 
you get a bunch of clue tokens, I think it is. And you can eventually get yourself into this loop where, very similar to Tibbet, you're attacking, you're getting tokens, you're sacrificing them to time sieve and kind of like comboing off at that point. Mm -hmm. Really awesome game. And so that hall closed early that day and they announced that they were closing it and we had to move over to the next hall. And (laughs) as if on command, I passed the term to Leo and Leo is just like, cool uh dual caster mage twin flame and we're like yep that's the game like just <laughs> like immediately it. hit it none of us had any interaction i think he had ragavand a grand abolisher off the top of my deck turn two and just had it like the entire game and Brutal. i was like this is just a ticking time bomb yeah so then we moved over to the main hall and uh, we each sat down for some more games. I got a game in with Mook Dubs and Useless Knowledge and Rothbox. Hell yeah. The four of us played a game. I lent uh, Rothbox my, or Andrew, I don't know what the preferred <laughs> name is. <laughs> I lent Andrew my very poorly constructed <laughs> <laughs> Rocco cedh deck and i gave him that warning when i handed it to him and he still was on board with playing it and then had pretty much one of the most miserable experiences i've seen happen to a cedh player uh, immediately following that the backstory of this rocco deck is that like when we went up to my family cabin and had like our hsm retreat mike and i were both scrambling to build some like new cdh decks i built Najila. Mike didn't have enough time to build stuff, so he brought these like half-built decks and like a pile yep. of proxies. Yep, basically just a big old pile of CDH proxy cards. You just like pieced together a Rocco list from what you had, and you know, I think I might have helped you brew like the last ten cards yeah. or something. And, <laughs> and like it had all the pieces you'd expect, but it yeah. wasn't like kind of the meticulous, careful craftsmanship that <laughs> yeah. goes into an actual CDH deck that's gonna get the job done. It had good cards in it. Yeah, it had the good cards, <laughs> but it also had some meh cards. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. So Andrew got to pilot that, <laughs> and then we had uh, useless knowledge on Funky Wonky Unctus. Oh yeah, which is the mono blue commander that can turn things into blue artifact creatures and then use them to loot and kind of sculpt these perfect hands so that was good and then we had uh mukdubs on magda and mukdubs played a really early sphere of resistance so everyone was just trying to play out from under things costing one additional and i was i was playing emery so we had two mono blue decks oh man sphere with emery (laughs) is It was brutal. brutal. It was pretty brutal. (laughs) And John, useless knowledge, had basically just two islands and a sensei's divining top for the entirety of the game. And he would like play (laughs) the top and then something would happen where he'd need to try and dig for an answer. So he'd put the top on top and then he wouldn't draw an answer. And then he'd draw the top and play it for two. (laughs) He did that like two times in rotation. (laughs) And then... Andrew wasn't quite closing the game out with like Rocco. He never quite had the window where he could do tutors for the things that he needed to assemble a win. Yeah. So instead, he started tutoring out stacks pieces to shut off Magda and Emery. So he was grabbing like an oof (laughs) where the table would go around and then eventually (laughs) Mark would find an answer and remove it. Then he grabbed a Karn and no one could do anything. And then eventually... Mark would remove it. <laughs> I had 
I had at one point the Isochron dramatic reversal combo on board, but couldn't execute it through the sphere of resistance and oh, through like oof and through Karn and stuff. And then I had a mana maze out as well, which is players can't cast spells that share a color with the last spell cast mm, spicy which normally works fine in emery because what you do is you use the isochron to cast dramatic reversal that's a blue spell but then you use emery to cast an artifact from your graveyard it's a non-blue spell so then you can activate isochron scepter again and cast another blue spell you have to kind of weave in a blue spell and a non-blue spell to play mm-hmm. through the animes but i basically just couldn't because of all of the stacks pieces that were on the board <laughs> And yeah, I think Mark eventually took it with some clock combo and some dragon beats and and got there. So that was a great game, but was definitely pretty funny to just people were just sitting there like, oh, my God, I'm so locked. And I got the reverse (laughs) of the pleasant experience. Like normally it's the best when you give someone your deck and they just go crazy with it and take the win and you're cheering from the sidelines. This was I gave someone my deck and it performed like a baked potato (laughs) And, and accomplished nothing. So sorry again for that one. And I know I need to sorry, Andrew. weeks in that deck. <laughs> yeah, nothing worse than that, man. When when someone borrows your deck and they just turn you and they're like, I'm not having fun and your deck is bad. And you're like, I'm sorry. Yes, <laughs> and I'm sorry. And I warned you, I swear. <laughs> yeah, so while you were playing that game, I jammed with the Bufftown Bullies. Uh, if people don't know the Bufftown Bullies, they're a CDH group in Buffalo, New York. They had a bunch of people there. But I was jamming a game with Dio, uh, who I I'd played with earlier. I was playing with Scoop Phase, and I was playing with Bilbo Swaggins. This one game was incredibly fun and probably my most hard-fought win I've ever had in a CDH game <laughs> uh, to the point where there was like a small crowd that like walked by and like stopped and just watched the game finish yeah i was part of that because my game had petered out at this yeah, point yeah. <laughs> and i came over and watched this unfold yeah i think this is when that casual game started up and and you chose to to chill and watch and and yeah. make uh snide comments over my yes. shoulder and point and highly... and desperately try to not tell you winning what lines because i was like i know that's you know yeah it's really frowned upon for people to be giving any kind of advice or outside input but uh, it was impossible to resist. So I think this actually might have been my second game that I played with these guys. The first one, Dio took it with a Sisse deck, very similar to Mike's Sisse Tutor Chain's deck, but with some interesting differences. I can't quite remember how it won, but it just like outvalued and locked us out. It, it was a little bit more staxy. It had a Drana and Linvala in it, mm-hmm. which stops opposing activated abilities and basically gives Drana and Linvala all of those activated abilities. So... There's some pretty interesting things that he was doing with that, which was cool to see a deck that I'm like familiar with, but running these kind of very different strategies than what yeah, I'm used alternate to. alternate things. Because I couldn't really read choices. what it was doing as easily. Scoop was on Kark Sakashima, which is one of his like favorite decks, one of the ones that he's known for. And Bilbo Swaggins was on... Man, I, I apologize, dude. I can't remember. I know it was a Thrasios deck. I don't think it was Dargo Thras, but it was something like that. So anyways, we play that first game, and then we finally get to the second one. In the second game, I managed to land a Thrasios and a Seedborn Muse. So I am just starting to, like, outvalue the table. So things were, like, pretty good in that game, and Scoop was kind of on the outs, just didn't really have the interaction, didn't really have, like, much stuff going on. 
It was also very interesting to be sitting in a pod of close friends who played against each other all mm. the fucking time because they were like reading each other's decks and they'd be like, we got to stop that. We got to stop that right now. Like a Krark would come down and they'd be like, that cannot last. So <laughs> it was very interesting to get a little insight into like the dynamic that the bullies have. At some point, I have Thrasios and Seedborn. Bilbo Swaggins has Thrasios and Seedborn. So we're like hype that we both are doing Seedborn things. So this is when Mike is like over my shoulder watching. And, yeah. and this is kind of like the intense moment of this game that I wanted to get to. So at some point, I get enough value with Thrasios. I have a big enough grip of cards in my hand. And I'm basically ready to go for the win. I have a meal and I have a dockside. I get those into play and I start to do my infinite mana combo. At this point, Dio reacts with Sisse and puts a Sisse activation trigger on the stack. Um, I try to do some stuff in response and he responds again. Like he has a Derevi out. He has an Emil and he has a, like a bloom tender. I think it might've been a Fay Barrow elder or something yeah. like that. So he is about to have the mana to go infinite on this. And he has a Derevi trigger on the stack, but it won't be enough mana to activate Sisse again. But basically I'm trying to interrupt that Emil Derevi loop. At some point, he also cracks a Ranger Captain of Eos, so I can't really cast anything. So my only recourse in this moment is to try to combo off and get as much like value as I can. So I have Kinnon on board, I have Thrasios on board, and I have this Dockside Emil combo going uh, that I, I'm just kind of playing on top of what Dio is doing right now. So I start dumping my mana into Kinnon because that's my best way to build a board state. Again, I like can't cast non-creatures. We're kind of in like a weird state. I just want to like get out everything I can. And Dio has his win attempt like on the stack at this point. So I need something to disrupt. So I start flipping through my deck, like flipping through with Kinnon. I Kinnoned out like 70% everything. of the creatures from my deck. <laughs> All the non-humans. Yeah. yeah. I just kept going through the entire deck and dumping stuff out. So my board state is just like a pile. Like you can check out our Instagram. I posted a, a picture of it on there. It is literally just like a pile of of creatures that I have out. Yeah. And finally, I hit Gilded Drake. So at this point, I didn't even know if I had a way out of basically breaking free of Dio's win attempt in my deck. And when Gilded Drake flipped, it kind of put a light bulb in my head. And I was like, oh, shit, I can take the Emil from Dio and stop his his combo. So I take his Emil and because of the Ranger Captain, I basically just have to like pass my turn. Uh, you know, I can't do like a finale of devastation and try to win right now. And I can't do my like eternal witness lightning bolt combo either because I can't cast on creature spells. So uh, we get to Dio's turn again. So we're in Dio's upkeep. So at this point, I decide to fight for my win. I cast a crop rotation that I had in my hand and I get an emergence zone and I crack the emergence zone. So now I can cast things as if they had flash. And at this point, again, I have like infinite treasures uh, or near infinite, plenty of treasures, as we like to say Sufficient now. Sufficient treasures. I had plenty of them and I'm trying to go for my win. So I cast a court of calling. And what I'm trying to find here is I am trying to find eternal witness uh, because I have a lightning bolt and I have an Emil and I have infinite treasures. So if I can get eternal witness, which is a human, so I can't get it out of my deck with Kinnon, 
if I can get Ewit to the battlefield, then I can bounce Ewit with a meal, recasting Lightning Bolt, and burn the table down. So I cast Court of Calling. Krark hits me with some counter magic. I try to swan song it. It doesn't work. Whatever. I'm like, fine. How about a Wargate? Because again, I'm under the E zone. So I can cast Wargate, which is another tutor. And he counters on top of that again. I do a miscast, whatever. I still can't stop him. I do an Eldritch Evolution on top of the stack. Like I'm kind of ignoring the counter magic because I have such a grip of cards. <laughs> and I'm just, just putting more spell. win attempts over it. I'm like, fine, whatever. My Wargate doesn't go off. How about this one? I do an Eldritch Evo. Then finally, I do a Finale of Devastation. And that is the one that lets me go off. And this is all like on the stack. So the stack is like 10, 20 cards deep with like Kruk triggers. And I would just respond with all the Kruk triggers on the stack so they couldn't resolve and just continue to go. Yeah. My one salty moment of really the weekend and this win, not only is how poorly I just described it because it was really cool, <laughs> uh, but, but is also at some point, at some point, Scoop puts a deflecting swat on the stack to counter like some of my counter magic. And I'm like, cool with the swat on the stack. I put another like tutor attempt on top. And then like two spells later is like, okay, now I cast the deflecting swat. I'm like, what you already cast the deflecting swat. And he's like, yeah, well I put it down. But then I said, like, I I want actually want to take that back and let some things resolve first. And I was like, no, you didn't. Like (laughs) I was doing stuff in response to it. And there was kind of this like, look, that Dio and Bilbo Swaggin shared that was a little like, like, oh, Scoop, like kind of this like, you know, maybe that's <laughs> happened to them in the past or something. No shade to Scoop. We were very sloppy. Literally throughout this entire stack, I had a fucking wandering archaic on the battlefield that I just wasn't activating. So I could have pretty much countered everything perfectly mm-hmm. with the wandering archaic, but it was buried under a pile of the cards that I was playing. So there were a lot of mistakes made. I did ultimately get the win. It was just like an insane game. And um, good luck editing that explanation, Sam. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> and then after that, we we teamed up. We played a few more CEDH games. Uh, we played some with Nyx, which was awesome. We yep. played some with Mark, Amukdev's MTG. Yeah, and we played a couple with Leo as well. Yes. We basically just like tucked into the corner of the hall, ordered some dumplings <laughs> from this amazing dumpling place everyone was eating from all weekend, and just jammed games all night. I think the highlight of that was there is this game... We basically played two games with Mark, uh, Mook Dubs. The first one, he was on Rogsai and just like, unfortunately, just kept a bad hand, was pretty much out of the game. The whole no, time. no, no, no. That's, that's generous of you, Sam, but that's not what happened. <laughs> what happened was Sam played a turn one Mystic Remora, and the other people at the pod were like, don't feed the fish. And Mark had kept a hand that was 100% reliant on essentially being able to feed the fish. Yeah. Sometimes you have to feed the fish. And he was super nice, super respectful, uh, and he didn't. We we might have pressured him into doing that instead of like letting him play how he needed to play. But yeah, so he was kind of shut out. Yeah, he got shut out of that game. So we shoveled up and played another one, and Mark grabbed Slicer. So this was a really funny game because Mark gets a turn one Slicer, as you do. It's a slicer deck. I think he also went first in rotation. Yep. Like it's it's just what happens. Yep. Oh, I'm playing your Sisse deck at this point. Yep. I borrowed Mike's Sisse deck uh for a couple games and it did really, really well. <laughs> I had I had one of like the dopest 
not to tangent on top of a tangent, but I had one of the dopest openers in that. It was the most painful thing to watch someone else get this hand. It, it, was, <laughs> it was so sad. It was <laughs> it was Mox Diamond, Ignoble Hierarch, a land, just a Savannah, Soul Ring, and a Mana Crypt, all in my turn one hand. And Ugh. I just like dropped it out. I think this was in our game with Leo. And Leo had an equally stanky hand. Uh, he was on a uh, a Malcolm Timna like Doomsday deck, and it just like it, it was just ridiculous. Yeah. So, anyways, I'm playing Sisse, um, and Nix is on Najila. So Mark gets Slicer out. Slicer starts doing Slicer things. It makes it around the table. We're kind of spreading the damage out between the three of us, as you do when you go against the Slicer deck. And it gets back to Mark, and Mark gives it some kind of enchantment buff that like increases its power and you know, gives it menace yeah and gives it menace so it's even harder to block and then and then just takes out mike he had yeah. like <laughs> it's his turn too i had had one turn where one i went land mana dork i was like land mana dork attack with the slicer basically yeah land mana dork attack with slicer so i have one mana dork on board and i've got a six five double strike menace coming at me to yeah. kill me for lethal commander damage. So I was killed before my second turn. I was exactly at nine commander damage. Yeah. So the 12 additional commander damage perfectly killed me yep. with the 21 that it needed. It was exact. So, yeah, I was I was dead before my turn two. I had never seen a slicer kill that clean. It was like yeah. turn one to turn two, that person's out of the game. Yeah. But very quickly the tables turned. Because Slicer went over to Nyx, and Nyx had a board state where they had Slicer, they had Najila, and a single warrior token. Or, or they were about to generate a single warrior token with Najila. So Nyx gets a Derevi out, and she swings in, and as we're, we're like talking it over, we're like, oh, uh, the Slicer actually gives you like two Derevi triggers. And yep. it was basically enough. Nyx had up one land and the slicer triggers were enough to give her the untaps to activate Najila and just completely pop off right yeah. there in that moment. Yeah. It was just so funny to go from like the crushing defeat of Mike to passing to Nyx and Mark just being like, oh no, my slicer deck. It's like <laughs> just using the slicer to win with Najila. Yeah. It was pretty perfect. And that was a, a nice, like, tidy game. I think that might have been the last one we jammed Yeah. So then we went back to the hotel. We played one last late night game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we go back to the hotel. And turns out the people with the room, like, directly across the hall from us were Tyler from Play to Win, Kixar, if you guys don't know, Kixar Creative. They are, like, an amazing altarist and magic artist uh, and, a, and a pretty fantastic Ashaya CDH pilot as well. And then this is Surreal, also known as Antonio, or like the Gruel guy, I, I think they're known yeah. as uh, on Twitter. So we were over there, and we wanted to play some CDH, and yeah. <laughs> no one wanted to sit out. So we just said, screw it, <laughs> and we played a five-person game of CDH. And it's like 1 a.m. at this point. Yeah, it's already really late. Uh, we're like drinking sake and beers, and we're like 
sleepy and Kickstarter just slowly went into hibernation over the course of the game. Yeah, basically <laughs> would put a win condition on the board, yeah. get it dealt with and then like slip farther back in his, in his <laughs> reclining seat on the bed. I had the privilege of going first in that game yeah, and dude. starting with Esper Sentinel and Fish as like, my turn one. Fucking stankiest <laughs> turn one. We were all like, whoa, dude, this is like a shitty five player yeah, game. Like, chill. Like, <laughs> I played I played the fish first and everyone was like, okay. And then I played the Esper Sentinel also on turn one. And everyone was like, what the fuck is that? My favorite moment with that was we were talking about how we wouldn't feed the fish. <laughs> we were like, okay, we all agree to not feed the fish, right? We're going to starve out the fish. Mike is on one land. I think you like one landed and I forget how you got the other thing in. It might've been a, a Lotus, Lotus pedal, pedal. I think. So we were like, we could starve him out. The fish is going to die eventually. Let's just starve him out. And we'll all just one land, maybe a mana dork, keep things going. So we're all kind of agreeing to this and everyone's on the same page or so it seems. We're all like, yeah, yeah, we'll starve it out. And Antonio's like, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll starve him out. We'll only give him one trigger each. And I, we're like, no, like, <laughs> like, don't you understand? We don't want any triggers. He's like, yeah, yeah. But like, I do need one. to get we'll one give trigger. One. I'll, I'll give like, him one. You're like, no. And Tyler is like, I am having a very horrible start to this game by not feeding the fish. And I'm choosing to not to. So you can't feed the fish. Yeah. <laughs> but it was just like such a gremlin game. Mike absolutely crushed. I think you got a Lotho out. I did. I got a Lotho and got like 10 triggers off of it. Yeah, we did not respect the Lotho. Had to fight through some resistance. I think we had to shut down one win condition from Kixar, but uh, yeah, there were eventually couple, like, was tutors. able to assemble something and kind of put it together. Yep. Yeah, that was the thing with the Ashaya deck was Kixar didn't give a shit about not feeding the fish. He was like, sweet, I'll just continue my game plan and uh, play all my creatures Yeah, <laughs> my, with my creature win cons. Yep. But that was really fun. And then we basically passed out. Uh, right after that at like two no late night one piece games that night no and then the next day was the last day of the con yeah we woke up we got over to the convention we were able to play some one piece we managed to crack andrew's box of sealed one piece so we played some sealed which was that great was really really Super fun, fun. Uh, and andrew being like the amazing drug pusher that he is was like <laughs> you guys can just keep the cards that you crack and we were like, really? And he was like, yeah, he's because th there's not like a ton of different cards that come in each one piece set. So he's like, I already have everything. For clarity, since Andrew does work occasionally with the government, I believe he was not pushing drugs. There were no, <laughs> yeah, no just drugs addictive being pushed games. on us. Just an addictive, addictive card game that he got us into. <laughs> like Andrew's also the guy who mailed us one piece starter decks like way back when and got us initially hooked on this game. So he's very, very good. Like, as I look at my desk and I look at three empty boxes of One Piece <laughs> full of empty ripped booster packs that I haven't thrown out yet, I can confirm that Andrew's very, very persuasive and very good at getting you into a card game. So, yeah. <laughs> so we we jammed that with Kev, which was super fun because I've been meaning to play One Piece with him forever. Just built like janky rainbow decks, if people even know what that means. If you're into One Piece, you might know what that means. You just rip a leader build with any card that you get kind of ignoring color identities that was super fun and then we finished the weekend off with a cdh game with our friend willie so the patron that i played a game with uh the day prior in the sealed event had asked if we could play a cdh game because the podcast got him interested in cdh and he wanted to to jam it and and test it out 
So Willie borrowed my Dawn Waker deck, which I, I think is like a pretty straightforward win con. Mm-hmm. And we played with Charles, the mono white guy, who was on some like absolutely Nadar. spicy Nadar, like dungeon initiative stacks deck with like blinks and shit like that. It was yeah. wild. Mike, you were playing Sisse again, I believe. Yeah, I think so. And I borrowed Nix's Najila deck because she was chilling and hanging out too. So it was a really, really fun game. And Charles did end up taking the dub, but Willie had this pretty awesome moment of absolutely nuking my win con. I was like, <laughs> like I had the mana, I had the margin to go for it. Like interaction was low. I think someone just tried to pop off. I think you just tried to pop off and we stopped you. Yeah, I had just tried to win. I like got an op agent out. I got a Derevi out and I just couldn't pay for like a Ristic study trigger or an Esper Sentinel trigger or something. Mm-hmm. And I had one pact of negation to protect my win con, had used it against Willie. And then Willie just drops the deflecting SWAT, SWAT. ripped off the top by my own unpaid trigger. And mm. uh, yep. Did not win that game. (laughs) Yeah, that was a cool one because I think, you know, we mentioned Willie hadn't really played much CDH before. That may have been truly his his first CDH game, but was clearly a very experienced player, had a great understanding of sequencing and interaction and timing and the stack, like everything about that. So it's really cool to see this like very experienced, smart player step into this kind of elevated version of the format and just immediately be able to like keep up had like one or two questions that he asked the other people that were at the table yeah. and then other than that was just like in it and grinding out good plays and activating thrasios and passing just like all the good cdh <laughs> stuff that people want to be doing if there hadn't been an op agent on the table like willie would have won that game like willie yeah. had a court of calling in his hand and like a couple other tutors in hand but we were just a little bit stacked out and and couldn't pull it out but it, it was a super fun game and that's that's pretty much where we wrapped it up man yeah and then we took off on our way out we did stop at the what is it the millennium millennium Falcon? games millennium games yep which was a local rochester lgs everybody was like you got to go. And Mike was like, we should go and buy some One Piece. And I was like, maybe. It's like, we got such a long drive. We're leaving a little bit later we than it up. I, I was like, to. it adds 12 minutes <laughs> to our eight hour drive. I think it's going to yeah. be worth it. <laughs> so we were planning to split a box of One Piece just so we could get some more like chaff and kind of start building. And we found out that with every sealed box of One Piece, there is one like super rare pull and one alt art pull, like guaranteed with every box. So it's a pretty shitty idea to split a box, basically. Yeah, is what then I'm someone's just going to get something awesome and one person's going to get nothing. So we were like, all right, then let's just each buy our own box. We get there <laughs> and, <laughs> and we each bought two boxes of one yeah. of these cards. And I bought a starter deck because yeah. we were like, oh, it's so it's so cheap. They're like, so oh, it's so inexpensive. And we're here. We might as well. You know, we, we were like, it'll give us something to do in the drive home. And it did. And boy, did it. (laughs) (laughs) I proceeded to spend like four hours of the drive back, opening packs, reading cards to Sam that neither of us had ever seen before, and then sorting them into their respective colors. Yeah. And just theory crafting and being like, oh, that seems like a good card. Oh, yeah, yeah. Wow. That's way better than that card. Oh, (laughs) interesting. This is just like the one we just saw, but it's got this on it. Say that again. Oh, is that a 2K counter? Oh, wow. Wow. (laughs) And then it it got to 
the point where I was like, Sam, I, I can't. I need a break. <laughs> and Please, I was like, Sam. I was like, no, <laughs> this is the only thing keeping me going. I was so tired. We didn't eat dinner. We were exhausted. We were tired. The sun was going down. So Mike had like the little light on over on his side and literally just what a trooper kept reading cards to me. He opened both of his booster boxes, opened them, read the cards, sorted them. And then I said, and now you have to do mine. (laughs) And he only opened (laughs) one of my boxes. but (laughs) It was still it was still pretty intense, man. And then Sam was like, okay, now you have to do all the trades that we want to oh do so that we can do deck building when we get yeah. home. The so then I was hour. trading between like five potential decks where we each wanted <laughs> to build like two or three, had some rough ideas on what the colors <laughs> and the themes were going to be, trying to keep some semblance of yeah. equal value Try between the things. These deals. <laughs> uh, uh. It, it was, was fun, so but it funny. was madness. Yeah, it was madness, but it it did literally eat up like the whole ride yeah. home. Like, like you were opening packs for four hours. We were probably still talking and sorting cards for like a good two. There's maybe yeah. a break in there, but yeah, it was so so funny. So that was our overall experience with Commander Sealed. I know I had an awesome time. I want to go back next year. Uh, yeah. It was just great playing with people. It was great playing an interesting format. And yeah, I thought it was awesome. Yeah, it was fantastic. I I completely echo what you have to say, Mike. Just an awesome convention. It was really cool to be at this smaller convention, like what we were talking about. That's a little bit more grassroots. Everybody's there. Everybody's supporting a good cause. And even just the competitive, you know, using air quotes, format of a tournament where you're inherently making a very casual deck, that just changes the energy in the room where... People are there to like vibe and play. Yeah, I think um, it was Brian Koval who who ended up winning uh, Bosch and Roll, and he's just a, a fantastic Magic player all around, multi-format Magic player all around. But even with like some of the more competitive players there, the vibes are still so chill. Big shout out to Gunner for doing all like the Twitch stuff. We got to meet Gunner while we were there, and of course, Alan Mental Misplay. Uh, was just like holding it down the whole weekend. Dude must have interviewed me like five times. And, you know, I got to say Dookie boys, because that's all we <laughs> say to each other when we see each other now, uh, which is a long inside joke that will come out in a YouTube video at some point, I think. <laughs> yeah. The other thing I want to say is just like a huge shout out to the people that were like fans of Howling Saltmine that were there, which was pretty crazy. Like this is kind of our first time being at a convention and having like people wearing our merchandise of which there were like way more than just more than zero. (laughs) Yeah. Anything more than zero. It was shocking to me. Yeah. (laughs) Which was crazy. And then people who were like stoked to see us and like wanted to take a photo with us and stuff like that. That just was really mind blowing. You know, we've been doing this podcast for a little over a year and to just have that feeling like who me like little old me you guys yeah. want to listen to our little podcast like crazy the support is awesome nothing makes you know me want to keep doing this uh, other than seeing that like it actually puts smiles on people's faces too same awesome. and not only that but just conventions in general to like be in the community jamming games with people meeting people playing games bonding over this hobby that we all share and love Man, like you come away from weekends like this and you're just like depressed because you wish it had two more days, you know? <laughs> yeah, the magic really is the gathering. 
it totally is like the gathering is the best part of magic quite frankly so thanks everybody that's our episode a bit of a ramble you guys know how we do it after these conventions so as always if you want more howling salt mine content check out our patreon patreon.com slash howling salt mine we have our stray grain series on there we have our extra salt series on there brand new episode once a month we're also getting in our discord chatting in there every day the community of the prospectors the community of the 30 percent grows week by week it is awesome and we're doing our monthly game nights so if you want to jam games with us and just hang out like hop on in chat with us we're chatting about spoilers we're chatting about everything chatting about memes chatting about pets chatting (laughs) about some people are even talking about sports it's a small section but there are some people I have that channel muted. I don't even know. (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious. Uh, If you want to support us in a different way, we are selling Howling Salt Mine sleeves. We also have Howling Salt Mine merchandise. You can check out our website, which is howlingsaltmine.com or thehowlingsaltmine.com. We're inconsistent about the use of the the, so our website might as well be the exact same way. Also, check out our bonfire store if you want to get some of our t-shirts or hoodies and things like that with our logo on it or with our blue is a trash color for trash player. And we're probably going to have some new shit coming to that shop pretty soon. So keep your eyes peeled for new merch out there. Another way to help out the podcast is to give us a five-star review in your favorite podcast app of choice. It really does help people find us at the algorithm. And actually, somebody at Commander Sealed said that they found us through the Spotify algorithm. Hell yeah. Which fucking makes it all pay off. I'm yep. not just saying that. It truly does work. Yep. <laughs> which was really cool too. They're like, oh yeah, I've heard of you guys. I think I was listening to you the other day. I was like, oh shit. Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you have a salty story that you want featured on a future episode, send it to us. You can send it to us through our website that I mentioned, or you can email it to us at our Gmail, thehowlingsaltmine at gmail.com. You can also just DM it to us on whatever. We'll find it and we'll get it into the queue. Um, all roads lead to Rome with this podcast. And lastly, we got to shout him out, our amazing podcast artist, J.D. Burnett, for giving us our beautiful podcast art that we were wearing on our shirts all weekend and saw other people wearing on their clothes this past weekend as well. We love that art and it's super cool to see it in person on sleeves and all that stuff. So if you're ever in Asheville, North Carolina, hit up J.D. and get a sweet tattoo. He's a really cool guy. 10,000 subscribers are blessed. Thanks, Tony. Wow, Tony. (laughs) (laughs) He made a brief appearance out of his honeymoon in order to uh, drop that line in there. Good job, Tony. Thanks, Tony. Thanks, everybody. And salty. As always, stay salty and don't forget to draw an additional card during your draw step. It's the Howling I am pretty sure I played against that person in my second game. But we were in we were in different rooms, Sam. Oh, we were in different rooms. Cut oh, that, cut that. Cut that, cut that. <laughs> it's not Golgari. It's actually uh, uh yeah, it's uh um I don't uh, know what they are. I don't uh, even remember. Yeah, that bit's a lot stinky swamp. Yeah, stinky swampy stinky swamp magic guys. people. <laughs> Slytherin Dungeon Dungeons <laughs> for, well, Silver Quill is really more Slytherin. Oh yeah, you're right. It's tough. You're right. Oh. It is. I'm actually shook that I don't remember this name. I played so much, so much Strixhaven Limited. Anyway, cut all, all I that. can think of is Willow Dusk because Willow that's Dusk? just the deck that Tony plays all the time.
It's not. Yeah. Anywho, dual caster mage is cheaper because it targets something, and twin flame is cheaper because it targets I something. I don't think the dual caster would be cheaper. Really? It's not. It's not a cast. Oh thing. yeah, you're right. So basically, it makes the twin flame cheaper. And it'd be... <laughs> oh, you want a little correction in there? No, no. I, I said it right the first time. I said it right the first time. <laughs> I see. I had the devoted druid beep beep swift reconfiguration combo in my beep. my hand. Beep beep. All aboard, kids! <laughs> time to go fast. <laughs> Magic school bus shit. Uh, so, <laughs> and you thought there wasn't going to be singing in this episode. 